Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode. Today, we are revisiting a topic that I've previously talked about here on the podcast, which is dating and relationships. Now, the first time that I explored this topic here on the podcast, I had a rough outline of what I wanted to talk about. And that completely went out the window, to be honest. What I ended up doing was giving more of sort of a history and a timeline of my personal experience with relationships and specifically the process that I went through to see myself as being worthy of being in a healthy dynamic, a healthy relationship dynamic, and of also raising my standards for what I thought was available to me. And I just reflected on some previous journal entries where I basically continued to write out and tell myself and reassure myself that something was out there for me that was more of a match to how I wanted to feel and, you know, the experience that I wanted to have in a relationship versus what I was experiencing at the time, which was a lot of back-to-back situationships, a lot of kind of unhealthy relationship dynamics that left me feeling not good about myself, not good about my ability to be in a relationship and so on. What I wanted to do with today's episode actually was to just revisit some of the themes that I had originally planned to discuss. And the reason that I'm doing this now is that actually in the anonymous submission form that I have for the podcast, I find that one of the most frequent things that comes up is questions or submissions related to relationships, not just you know, dating relationships, but also friendships and family relationships. And I've talked about friendship a couple times on here. I think that I will continue to talk about that in more episodes because again, that seems to be a really popular topic. I love talking about it and my attitude towards it is always evolving. But again, relationships was something that I had intended to talk about in a certain way. And I've just noticed that that theme is coming up a lot. It goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyways, that I am not a relationship coach. I'm not a relationship expert. This is more intended to be a coffee chat style episode where we're just two friends talking about 
different experiences that we've had. And I mean, in this case, it's just me sharing that with you. But of course, as always, I'd love to hear your thoughts in reaction to some of the themes that I'm sharing. And I do anticipate that there will be diversity in how each and every one of you as listeners responds to my attitudes about relationships. And I think that that is completely okay. I welcome the varying opinions and varying experiences that we've all had. And the only thing that I can really do is speak to my own experience, what I've observed in not only my own relationship, but in relationships of others and just kind of have some field notes about that, which is what I love to do. I love to observe things and then just literally talk about what I've observed. So that is what this episode is. It's not meant to be advice. It's not meant to be coaching of any kind. It's just observations and maybe a byproduct of hearing these observations will be that you take some insight from that or, you know, have a different way of looking at things. So my curiosity and reason for approaching this conversation in the way that I'm going to comes from the fact that I feel like when we talk about relationships, or at least when I've witnessed conversations being had about relationships, quite often what's being highlighted are the high highs or the low lows. So when someone comes online, for instance, to share something about their relationship, quite often it's either a really positive thing that happened or something really negative that happened that maybe led to a breakup. And I find that to be similar when you're talking to friends about relationships. And what this resulted in for me over time was a realization that as I started to get into a more serious long-term relationship, I didn't actually know how the day-to-day was supposed to look, how a relationship actually functioned, what love actually looks like outside of the highs and lows, and what contributes to sustainable, long-term, mutually beneficial relationships. And of course, that's something that I think I'll always be uncovering and evolving with, both personally and in my relationship. But I kind of wanted to speak to a few things that I don't hear being discussed as often when it comes to relationships. And the first thing is this theme of boredom. I was reminded of this theme when I stumbled upon this TikTok. I believe it was a relationship therapist who said this on TikTok again. She was a little bit older and what she was saying was that if you are in your early 20s or kind of mid 20s, in your 20s at all, I should say, and you are feeling bored in your relationship, then you shouldn't be in that relationship. And I thought this was really interesting advice. I actually don't know for sure if it was satire or not because it just seemed like such a weird statement. And I think the sentiment behind it was, you know, this period of your life should be about experimentation and trying new things. And my response to things like that and narratives that push that being in long-term committed relationships is boring or that they get stagnant or whatever it may be, is that they're these wide-sweeping statements that really don't speak to the nuance of what that actually means, what it means to be bored, and what that can actually point to. And 
the fact that there are so many different ways to look at that. And my personal relationship with boredom in a relationship, I would say I experienced within the first year of being in my first long-term committed partnership. And it wasn't necessarily that I felt bored. It was that I began to feel overwhelmed with the prospect of being with one person for the rest of rest of my life, hypothetically. I also think the combination of that feeling of overwhelm combined with the sort of wearing off of what is often referred to as the honeymoon stage can put you in this interesting position, or at least I found that, of, well, if I'm not experiencing these really powerful, high, lustful, you know, moments on a day-to-day basis, is this the right relationship? And I reflected on that for a long time. And what I realized was that, first of all, I think that the media and the movies and the books and a lot of the things that I had consumed growing up that provided me with my first real example of what love was supposed to look like outside of, you know, my parents. I think that a lot of those pieces of media actually did a disservice to my own idea of what a relationship should be. If I think about a lot of my favorite love dynamics in shows or in movies, it's quite often a kind of love at first sight dynamic that is very intense and that intensity is all you really see for the duration of the movie or show. I find that very rarely do we see monotony or you know a mundane day-to-day routine of a couple for example and so because of that when you find yourself or at least when I found myself in sort of just the day-to-day life I thought that something was wrong, not because I felt like I was unhappy in any way or there was anything necessarily going wrong in the relationship, only because I was comparing what I was currently experiencing to what I had seen as the quote ideal way to be in a relationship. The other side of things is that I would find for me a lack of conflict. I would almost sometimes confuse that with a lack of passion and a lack of caring in a relationship. And it's almost like I would seek out these big dramatic moments in order to kind of feel like that relationship was valid. And I don't know if that makes sense at all, but sometimes I just felt like those rushes of adrenaline that you get when you're, let's say, having a heated discussion or even like more of a passionate moment, I felt like that was a good indicator that your relationship was worthwhile and I really don't know where that idea came from but again I think that a combination of factors be it movies that I was consuming examples of different relationships that I was seeing books all of these things put this image in my head that It's the intensity and the passion and the lust and the desire and the high highs and the low lows and the chase and all of these things that make a relationship a good, worthwhile relationship. And so when I was feeling just the day-to-day 
comfort and contentment and harmonious dynamic, I was like, okay, well, something must be wrong here on a subconscious level. And I think if I saw this video about if you're bored in your relationship or you're feeling boredom at all in your relationship, then you should not be in that relationship. If I had seen that video a few years ago, maybe it would have landed a little bit more and I would have read into it a little bit further. Whereas now, I think that, again, if your orientation in a relationship is long-term, just like anything, there are bound to be moments, if not long stretches of time, where things are just kind of level and you know, there aren't these big high highs and low lows, but not to confuse that with there being anything wrong with the relationship. So what I began to notice for myself was that something that I may have interpreted previously as boredom was actually a feeling of safety and stability and comfort. And if I were to actually ask myself what I wanted my relationship to look like and how I wanted to feel, those were the feelings that I wanted to feel and that I would want to continue to feel. And of course, this doesn't mean that you can't have moments of passion and excitement and joy and fun and playfulness. But for me, it's become a great deal more important to have a really solid foundation of safety and stability. And that foundation has served me very well in being able to navigate things outside of the relationship, not just, you know, conflict within it. Kind of tying into this theme of boredom and, you know, at times feeling like things are kind of coasting, perhaps in a relationship, comes the theme of seasons and cyclicality which I've talked about so many different times on this podcast in different ways some of them include cycles as it relates to my creativity or my energy or my inspiration and what I what I excuse me have observed is that the same can be said for relationships and how I relate to this idea of cycles in a relationship is that I think I am someone who has a tendency to read into kind of lower parts of the cycle, whether that's in a relationship or in my own personal life. If I'm in kind of a lull or I'm feeling stagnant, I tend to catastrophize in those times a lot more and think, well, if this is the way it is now, it's never going to improve. I'm never going to feel better. And over time, what I've observed is that, of course, there are obvious exceptions to this. Some people go through these chapters and decide that that's when they want to end their relationship because it's just not working. But I also think in other relationships, and I can only speak for myself, I've gone through enough of these cycles, and I should say in my relationship, we've gone through enough of these cycles where maybe we've become a little bit distant from each other for a period, or maybe we're not getting along as well for a period of time. And again, in those moments in the past, I tended to catastrophize, to make them mean more than they actually do, to read into those periods. And 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Over time, realizing that it always kind of returns back to an equilibrium and then when I'm in that equilibrium, I always think to myself, wow, I'm so glad I didn't like make any rash decisions when I was feeling a little bit distant or whatever it may be, because now I get to experience this closeness again and this really good communication and the joy that I feel in this relationship. And my takeaway from going through this cycle so many times, provided that the lows, your needs are still being met and you're still you know, somewhat connecting. I think that's important, but it's okay to go through kind of seasons of growing a little bit distant, coming back together, being excited about being together, maybe growing a little bit more independent for periods of time, maybe not communicating as well. But I always feel as though when you're in that cycle of maybe being a a bit more distant from each other, what I find is that there's always some sort of insight or there's some sort of thing that brings us closer every time or some sort of lesson that we learn. And it's not only in the peaks of a relationship or those moments where we are really connected that we have something to learn from each other. Another theme that I think has been really 
impactful and that I've thought about a lot throughout my relationship has been independence and preserving my own identity. This is something that both me and my partner are very adamant on and that has really served our relationship very well. I don't think we were very good at it in the beginning. At least I wasn't very good at it in the beginning. And I began to reflect on how that impacted my life by sort of becoming very codependent with my partner. Now, I don't fault myself because I was very excited. I was very in love and it was a new exciting relationship. It was kind of my first time being in a relationship of that level of commitment. And I think I may have said this before, but I internalized this idea that, you know, in your 20s, when you're kind of getting your life going, you should be really focusing on your career and your partner and getting that solid. And I think I invested a lot of my identity into my relationship to the point where I was witnessing a little bit of unhealthy behaviors within myself that I didn't like. I wasn't prioritizing friendship in the way that I wanted to or really any other area. I was just really, really honed in on that. And I totally think, again, it's like, okay, it's part of life. It's fun to fall in love and just to be swept up. But I think that there is a line for me of like losing yourself in that process and losing what's important to you. And in more recent years, I've been able to take a step back and just recognize how important it is for me to maintain my sense of self and to think of myself as an individual in a relationship who has their own personal interests that don't have to necessarily be shared by that other person for example to have their own friends to have their own routines and habits and lifestyle and I think in the beginning I had this idea that like we had to align on absolutely everything we had to have the same hobbies we had to have the same you know friends etc etc and so being able to withdraw a little bit of that focus on the unit and bringing it a little bit back to myself has been much more of a balanced way for me to be in a relationship and it's worked really well for both of us. I think what this what this episode is kind of becoming is me realizing that I internalized a lot of ideas about what a relationship should look like and I'm now going through the process of forming my own attitude and independence and being your own person and having your own identity and having things that are your own and that you can enjoy either by yourself or with friends of your own. That wasn't something that I ever understood the value of because I thought that you know, you had to be finding that one person that was your everything, your other half, and that you would do everything with and everything for. And I think there there are so many different types of relationships. Some people are very happy in that type of dynamic of really investing so much of their energy into that one person. But what I found is I do like to have a diversity of people in my life and community and friendships and connections and one thing that I spoke about in the friendships episode or one of the friendships episode is even having different types of friendship for me is very valuable because 
You can connect in different ways. You can fulfill each other's needs in different ways. And when I took some of the pressure off of the partnership, or I guess when we took some of the pressure off the partnership to be everything to that other person, I think that allowed each of us to have a little bit more breathing room to just be ourselves in the relationship. I don't necessarily have the expectation anymore that my partner is going to fulfill every single social need that I have and nor do they. And I think a good example of this that has come up recently has been in the past, I really felt this like self-imposed need to kind of be almost like a coach in a relationship. So if my partner was going through something, I felt like I really wanted to be fully supportive and be fully like invested into whatever that issue may be. And more recently, having recognized that that was taking a big toll on me and pulling me away from things that I was dealing with on my own. And we came to the conclusion that for certain parts of our lives, it doesn't hurt to bring in outside opinion. So for example, to have the support of a therapist, and that can be really healthy to explore certain things independent of the relationship, sometimes with someone who doesn't have that same sort of involvement in the relationship, for example. So basically from a social perspective, broadening the way that each of us goes about fulfilling our social needs, whether that's having someone to confide in, having someone to give advice, having someone to share your interests with, and all of these different factors that we can get from socializing, to be able to broaden that beyond just that one person has really, really been a positive thing both individually and sort of as an entity of the relationship which brings me to my final theme that I wanted to discuss and I actually remember I believe it was my dad who shared this with me a few years ago and it made me really think a bit differently about relationships which is when you are in a relationship with someone he basically presented this way of looking at it that I really like, which is essentially it's two people, yes, but what you've created is sort of an independent entity. You've created something out of your connection. And I think looking at it that way makes me think about the unit more than the individuals. It makes me think about the needs of the unit rather than just always my own needs. So when I'm communicating, when I'm in conflict or whatever it may be, thinking about not necessarily what's best for my side of the equation, but what is best for the two of us combined into that kind of entity and what's going to support the growth and the health of it. And when I look at it that way, the answer of how I may respond to something may be different from how I would if I was only thinking about myself. So ultimately, I'm oriented towards the betterment of the unit or the entity versus just myself. So when I'm in a conversation, I'm not just thinking about my own needs in that conversation and what I need to get out of it. I'm thinking about how my partner communicates and what he 
needs from a conversation and the combination of both of those things is a unique way of communicating that caters to both of our communication styles, both of our needs. And it's taken some time to be able to discover what that looks like. And, you know, I think we'll always be discovering that, but a conversation can look very different when the goal is to sort of work as a unit or work as a team versus me versus you. Okay, so for this episode, I think I will leave it at that in terms of themes. I know I've jumped around a lot, but these are just things that I've been thinking about that I've not really discussed a whole lot on here, but that I want to continue to discuss. I'm very curious to hear your thoughts because these are kind of new conversations on this podcast but because I mentioned I get a few questions here and there online on my anonymous submission form about relationships I thought I'd just read out one for this episode because I didn't really put out like a full-blown Q&A for this one but I'll just read one that came up and then I will kind of share my thoughts. So someone said, I've been single for 21 years and I want a relationship and I'm on the apps. They said, why is it so hard to get into a relationship? Do I have to put myself out there more? I've had previous situationships, but I feel like every guy never wanted to date me. Now, the thing that I, the reason I wanted to share this specific submission is first of all, I deeply relate to the the statement because that was the situation that I was in you know when I was 21 as well but also because of the way the question was asked I think it's really interesting that what you said was I feel like every guy never wanted to date me and the reason I wanted to highlight this is because that's a feeling that I had for a very very long time and to me I may be reading into this a bit too deeply, but I just think it speaks to how I used to feel about myself, which is, well, have you ever asked yourself if you actually want to date those people? Because your desire to be in a relationship is just as important as somebody else's. And I think reading that no guy ever wants to date me makes it seem like you are at the mercy of these people. And for me personally, when I felt that way, I just noticed that that's the way that I was putting myself into those dating situations with the energy of like, please someone date me because I really want a relationship and I'll just, I'll end up with whoever wants to date me. Not actually considering what my needs are, what my desires are, seeing myself as very, very valuable as an individual, but also as a potential partner and just reestablishing a sense of self-worth in a relationship. Something that's really, really helped me, not just in, you know, relationships, but also in my work life and in other areas of my life is to see myself as an asset in every scenario. And this doesn't have to be like you are full of yourself necessarily and you're self-centered or whatever. It's just recognizing that you have a lot to bring to any dynamic that you are going to be involved in, whether that's relationship or work or whatever it may be, and being able to maybe get familiar with what those things are and uncover what those things are. And 
for me, when I was feeling like I wasn't having a lot of success dating and I wasn't finding that anyone really wanted to be with me, what I actually found was I needed to personally reinvest that energy into just kind of dating myself and getting to know myself and really establishing a solid relationship with myself first. And I know that's overdone and I know that's cliche, but that's what really made the difference for me because then I wasn't so let down when the dating opportunities weren't necessarily working out because I could recognize that like, yeah, maybe this person doesn't want me, but I also don't want them. Like this isn't the right fit and I deserve something that feels like a really good fit because I really value myself and I really like myself and I deserve to be with someone who also likes these things about me and also value these things. So I think not putting so much emphasis on, you know, this idea that nobody wants to be with you and just asking what you want and what you value and who you want to be with and recognizing that you wanting to be with someone is just as significant a part of the equation as them wanting to be with you. The ball isn't only in their court. So yeah, that's my two cents. I know that it can be hard and I know that at times it can just feel like a waste of time when you're putting yourself out there. Don't get me wrong, I get it, I've been there. And I don't think anyone can necessarily say like, this is what you need to be doing, putting yourself out there more. I think whatever feels right to you, whatever you have energy for, whatever feels good. But I think dating should feel fun and should feel joyful and you know, it doesn't have to mean that every single date or every single interaction results in a really good match. I would just look at it as an experimentation and every date that you go on, even if it's not a match, you learn a little bit about yourself and about what you are actually looking for. So that would be my two cents. Again, not necessarily intended to be advice, but I do just notice some narratives in there that I myself have experienced in the past and it really helped me a lot to learn to value myself and see myself as really worthy of being in a healthy happy relationship and know that I would find that and that I would be comfortable with myself in the meantime. So with that said, thank you for listening. Thank you for your submissions. I may be doing another one on this topic soon depending on how you guys felt about this one so if you do have any follow-ups you can either leave it in the q a right on spotify if that's where you're listening or you can submit an anonymous question in the link in the show notes so thank you so much for listening i am really grateful that you're here and i will see you next week ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 